Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Good Monday morning. The long road to recovery underway in Florida. And local leaders facing tough questions. Did evacuation orders come too late? It's October 3rd. This is today. the pieces. Search and rescue missions still unfolding across Florida this morning, five days after monster Hurricane Ian roared ashore. Hey, what's your name? Rick. Rick, can we get you out of here, all right? Crews reaching survivors any way they can. The death toll climbing this morning. Nearly 100 people. And the question's growing. Should evacuations have been ordered sooner in one of the hardest hit counties? The mayor of Fort Myers Beach, our live guest just ahead. Breaking overnight, gaining ground, Ukrainian forces recapturing more cities from Russian control, leading to new nuclear threats, the latest from the front lines just ahead. Back to the bench, justices return to the Supreme Court today, facing new protests over Roe v. Wade and a slate of hot button cases that could impact the midterms were there live. Serial killer, a warning from police in California after five murders just miles apart. The community's scared. It stops now. This morning, the anxiety gripping several communities and the new surveillance video that could be a clue in the case. And today, exclusive, Katie Couric live in Studio 1A on her new mission to educate women and save lives after revealing her own breast cancer diagnosis. I want to make sure that you all don't put off your mammograms. The life-saving message she wants everyone to hear today, Monday, October 3rd, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to you today. Nice to have you with us on a Monday morning, first Monday in October. And we're really looking forward to speaking with Katie. She returns to Studio 1A once again on a mission. Oh, we're so looking forward to that. It was so surprising to a lot of us to hear that she had a breast cancer diagnosis this summer. But she has got a message today that we all, I think, need to hear. Yeah, and we want to check in on how she's Mm -hmm. feeling. We're Mm going to begin, though, in hurricane-ravaged Florida. Rescues still underway this morning. Despite the heroic efforts from emergency crews, the death toll continues to climb. There's also mounting concern over evacuations, whether everybody in the storm's path had enough official warning to get out of harm's way. We're going to talk about that and more with the mayor of Fort Myers Beach, which was just devastated Mm -hmm. by that hurricane. But let's start this morning with NBC's Sam Brock. We spent the weekend surveying that damage. Sam, good morning. Yes, Savannah, good morning. We are now five days removed from the hurricane's landfall. Rescue efforts right now still ongoing. I'm in Matt Lachey this morning. This is the entry point to Pine Island just over my shoulder. Everything here is buckled. Look at this road and bridge. Layers of asphalt folded over each other here. That is going on as residents have put together a makeshift plank using metal aluminum ladders and also wood to get over to Pine Island so they can then walk another mile and a half. All of this right now is first responders are going by chopper and boat trying to rescue those in need with time of the essence. 
In the aftermath of Hurricane Ian, round-the-clock rescues have been going on for days. Rick, can we get you out of here, all right? From the air and the water, first responders trying to help desperate residents. The death toll now approaching triple digits, nearly half of them in Lee County. Search and rescue teams combing islands cut off from the mainland, including Sanibel, Captiva, and Pine Island, looking for survivors. A chorus of questions surfacing about why Lee County didn't issue mandatory evacuations until Tuesday morning, one day before Ian hit. The sheriff blaming the storm's constantly shifting track. There are indications that Lee County's comprehensive emergency management plan was ignored. I'm going to cut you off before you go any further. We did what we had to do at the exact same time. I wouldn't have changed anything. By Monday night, the National Hurricane Center warned areas in Lee County, including Fort Myers, were in danger of life-threatening storm surge. But the county didn't start ordering evacuations until the next morning, hours after neighboring Charlotte County put out its evacuation orders. They're telling us that we need to evacuate. We don't have places to go. We have no cars to get there. The storm rushed in. Much of the area, including Fort Myers Beach, now hardly recognizable. But it's hardly just these coastal communities that are suffering. Even after the storm passed, a levee breach in Sarasota County, threatening some 70 homes over the weekend. Officials telling us the levee is still compromised. But help is pouring in from all directions. Jose Andres's World Kitchen and other charities are in some of the hardest hit areas. A lack of water also impacting hospitals, forcing them to transfer patients old and young, including NICU infants. For Tiffany Henning, a new mom of twins, the move was frightening. Knowing that my baby needs help with breathing support and is dependent on running power. It, it was very scary. The twins ultimately transferred by helicopter to a nearby hospital with power and were told they're doing well. And some good news from Lee Health this morning. They inform us that conditions have improved considerably within the last 48 hours at their hospital's water pressure levels right now, normalizing this as I'm told from crews here this morning right now that they're going to be building this broad again in the next three days. That, as President Biden is expected to tour this area on Wednesday. Savannah, back to you. All right, Sam, thank you very much. Joining us now is the mayor of Fort Myers Beach. Uh, mayor Ray Murphy joins us. Uh, your community, uh, Mr. Mayor, is devastated. We're just devastated looking at the pictures. Are there rescue efforts still going on at this hour as we speak? Well, good morning, ladies. Nice to see you both. Uh, there certainly are. Uh, the search and rescue teams are still covering the island, and uh, that's the reason why we've uh, we've actually closed it off to residents uh, to this time, because they're not quite done uh, with their search and rescue operations. We probably have a few more days of that, and then we can start allowing uh, residents, hopefully, to uh, to return to the island and start sifting through their uh, the messes. Mr. Mayor, I was reading about some folks who are on the island, maybe who rode out the storm, who are now trying to get off and having mm -hmm. some trouble finding a shuttle. What's the plan for them today? Are you actively trying to get those who are, were left there off the island so that they can then, um, you know, start to rebuild and wait until you guys have a chance to get services restored? Yes. You know, the, the ones that are trying to get off, the, there are several opportunities for them to get off. There's a, uh, there are the, uh, the uh, responders going up and down the island, getting them off, and there, there isn't a, a, a shuttle per se, but there are uh, lots of uh, impromptu shuttles happening constantly up and down the uh, the boulevard on the island. 
Mayor, a lot of people are talking about evacuation orders and when they were ordered mandatory. I think some people need to hear a mandatory evacuation order before they leave. So at 5 p.m. Monday, the National Hurricane Center warned that Lee County was in danger of, quote, life-threatening storm surge. The county didn't start ordering evacuations until the next morning. That was hours after Charlotte County had done the same. Do you wish that your county and you guys had started those evacuation orders earlier? Well, you know, I'm going to let the other people fight fight those fights right now. Um, we're we're more concerned with the the rescue operations that are underhand right now. Certainly, in, in the in the optimum and best case situations, everybody wants uh, the most warning they can get. But uh, I'm not in a position right now to uh, to challenge those uh, those warnings or what have you. As I say, that's uh, that's done up on the county level and the state level, and I'm going to let them fight that out right now. We've got. We've got much more work to do here on the ground that we're busy with, and uh, I'll certainly be interested in hearing about the results of that at a future date. But uh, but really, ladies, this morning I'm not uh, prepared to uh, fight that battle. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Did you? I just curious. Did you feel like you would follow? It, you, it's up to you to follow their lead, those county mm-hmm. officials, or do you feel like you had the power to to do anything for just your community? No, no, we're we're completely reliant on uh, on their evacuation orders. Uh, we we don't issue those orders down here, but uh, you know, lots of us locals that have been here for years and years and years. I mean, we 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 know when it's time to go, and uh, and for those that don't go, you know, and uh, and uh, and have suffered the consequences of that I you know I feel for them. I feel for them all over Southwest Florida, all over the Barrier Islands. But uh, you know, uh, when it's time to go, you got to go. Yeah. And just lastly, Mayor, do you imagine when you close your eyes, do you imagine your community being rebuilt the way it was when you see it down the road? Oh, I most certainly do. Uh, you know, and everybody wants to do that. Uh, this is uh, there's a lot of uh, pain and anguish right now. And uh, and, I'm, and I'm trying to encourage everyone. We, we don't want to fall into any despair. But uh, I can envision the beach, Fort Myers Beach, being uh, so much better now. This is a tremendous opportunity to. Uh, to reinvent ourselves down here. And uh, and that's our plan. And we're going to do that. We're going to be back stronger and stronger uh, uh, as we move on into the future. So it's uh, just watch us. Watch us over the next few years. You're going to see a lot of changes down uh, here. Oh, well, Mr. Mayor, that, yeah. you know, those words will be quite a comfort to your community. I mm-hmm. know you were quoting Winston Churchill. When yeah. you're going through hell, keep, keep going. going. Yeah, so we're with that's you. exactly we're right. With keep, you all the way. Going. keep going. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for yeah. your time. Thank you, ladies. All right. Take care. And we turn now to Ukraine and a significant development there. Ukrainian forces have retaken control of several cities, including a key area in the east, just days after Vladimir Putin proclaimed it would belong to Russia forever. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin is on the ground for us inside Ukraine this morning. Aaron, good morning to you. Good morning, Savannah. Overnight, Ukrainian forces retaking more territory, this time to the south. But with these battlefield gains comes uncertainty over what the Russian president could do next. This morning, Ukrainian forces pushing forward with their relentless counteroffensive, reclaiming two settlements in the south overnight, according to the Ukrainian president, bringing them closer to the Russian-occupied city of Kherson. This after raising the Ukrainian flag in a key transport hub in the east, opening the door to reclaiming more lost land in the Donbass region. Just days after the Russian president declared large chunks of Ukraine part of Russian territory forever, 
while accusing the West of trying to weaken and destroy his country. President Zelensky calling the stunning gains proof Putin's claims are a farce. Ukraine's battlefield momentum eliciting a dire threat from the leader of Chechnya, a Putin ally, calling for more drastic measures, including the use of low-yield nuclear weapons. Meanwhile, in the recently liberated village of Kamyanka, the Russian assault and occupation scarring the landscape. Devastation as far as the eye can see. In fact, it looks like a hurricane, earthquake and tornado struck this village all at once. And there's hardly anyone left. Ukrainian First Lady Olena Zelenska on 60 Minutes Sunday, urging the world to stay focused on the war and its impact on her country's children. Ukraine's children went to school this year. And the first thing they learned is where the bomb shelter is, how to get there, and what to do in case a missile strikes. We will fight. We will not give our children up. I don't know how we can forgive this. I don't think we will. On Sunday, nine of the 30 NATO member states issued a joint statement calling for a pathway to membership of the alliance for Ukraine, as well as additional military aid. This just days after President Zelensky applied for NATO membership on behalf of his country. Savannah. All right. Aaron McLaughlin in Ukraine for us. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, Now, Washington, where all eyes are on the Supreme Court this morning, opening its new term with a new justice, a packed agenda and lingering fallout from the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. NBC's Kelly O'Donnell is joining us there from the court. Kelly, this is a really historic day. Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson sitting on the bench and she's actually hearing a case for the first time. What do we expect today? Good morning, Hoda. For the first time, the nine justices of the Supreme Court include four women and the first black woman with Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson, who was welcomed here Friday in a special ceremony, taking the oath and taking her seat on the bench. President Biden attended that ceremony and the court put out a photo of the nine justices appearing together for the very first time. And the court will look like that for the term ahead. The supermajority of conservatives, six of them, three liberals, So Justice Jackson does not change the ideological makeup of the court as it gets its work underway today. And she hears her first case. They'll be dealing with issues that uh, involve race and voting rights and gay rights in America. They'll deal with an issue of race in college admissions with affirmative action involving cases with Harvard and the University of North Carolina. They'll look at the electoral map in Alabama and examine whether changes made there have made it harder for black voters to have the same weight. They'll also look at a case in Colorado where a web designer does not want to provide creative services for gay weddings, citing freedom of speech. So it gives you a sense of how these cases really reflect a lot of American life and will also affect the culture wars in our country. Well, Kelly, Kelly, we've got midterms coming up. Do you, do you expect to see an impact uh, on the midterms what, from things like Roe v. Wade being overturned? Well, after that blockbuster term that ended in June with abortion rights and the constitutional protection, they're going away. Democrats certainly believe that will motivate their voters to turn out and to elect more Democrats who could potentially put laws in effect to protect abortion rights. 
Apart from the court, Republicans see things like the economy and inflation as ways that they could do well in the midterm. So some of it will be influenced by the court, some with larger issues. But the court is a vital place in American life, and it will be another term with really momentous and consequential decisions. Hoda? Kelly, thank you. You made Pete Williams proud, by the way. Good job. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. Thank you. Quarter after we got Craig mm-hmm. joining us. Good morning. Hey, Craig. Savannah. Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Changes to the NFL's concussion protocol are expected in the coming days as the league and its Players Association are responding to renewed concerns about head injuries after those violent hits to the Miami Dolphins star quarterback just days apart. NBC's Stephanie Gosk has been following this story. Steph, good morning. Hey, Craig, good morning. It's unclear when Tua Tungavailoa will play for the Dolphins again after being slammed to the turf twice in separate games last week. But those sacks are having an impact beyond the field. The doctor who treated him after the first hit has been fired, and the concussion rules could be changing. This morning, repercussions after Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa appeared to sustain two head injuries just days apart. One of the doctors who cleared Tua to play has been fired. I expect the highest level of of medical expertise. And when we make decisions to terminate people, it's in respect to all of those considerations. The NFL is reviewing safety guidelines and is expected to update concussion protocols. The league and the league's players association will reportedly interview Tua as part of their probe into what went wrong, according to ESPN, citing anonymous sources. What's important is that we get this right. And if we need to make a change and make things better, that that carries us forward and and helps us do a better job. The investigation coming after two injuries last week. First, this hard hit during a game against the Buffalo Bills. Tua returned later that game and four days later was back on the field and sacked again. This time, the QB lay motionless for over seven minutes before being taken to the hospital for evaluation. While Miami's head coach, Mike McDaniel, says concussion protocols were followed, the handling of Tua's injuries questioned ahead of NBC's Sunday Night Football. And earlier, former NFL coach Rex Ryan weighing in. Would you put your son back in that game? No way in hell I put my son back in that uh, that game. Hmm. No way in hell. And you know what? No way in hell I put somebody else's son back out there either. This is an epic fail. It highlights the intense pressure for professional athletes to play no matter what. Cardinals defensive end J.J. Watt taking the field Sunday just days after he says he went into atrial fibrillation. Watt tweeted he had his heart shocked back into rhythm on Thursday. Once my heart was reset, they said, you're fine if you feel comfortable. The NFL's chief medical officer says any player with health concerns is evaluated by the team and independent consultants before playing. Miami's next game is against the New York Jets next Sunday, most likely without Tua on the field. One thing worth noting, in the 24 hours after Tua's injury against the Bills, the Buffalo Times reports fans gave more than $1,000 in donations to his foundation, supporting youth initiatives, health and wellness, and other charitable causes. Hearing Rex Ryan say, would you put your son in, or I wouldn't put my son in, was real telling. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank Thank you, you. Thanks, Steph. You're welcome. 719, the first check of the weather. Mr. I'm feeling fine. Thanks to all of you who uh, sent well wishes. We appreciate it. Everybody's fine. And so we're all moving forward. Unfortunately, we can't get rid of Ian, the remnants of this thing, uh, plaguing now the northeast parts of New England. We've got, in fact, this uh, rotation coming in, breezy, wet, 
a really moist air, and it's a little on the raw side. We've got the risk for 16 people, million people, low-lying flooding in those areas. We're looking for water about one to three feet above ground level from the Cape all the way up into the northeast. This low pressure off the Delmarva Peninsula, some coastal winds up to 60 miles per hour. This wind-driven rain, some places, Atlantic City, almost four inches of rain in the last 24 hours. We're talking again upwards of three inches before it's all over. And we're watching a couple of areas of development back down through the Atlantic. Chance of formation right off the African coast. We're not really that worried about this one. But this system, the developing, we could see this develop in the next five days. Tropical depression could form. So we're going to continue to watch that. And that's your latest weather. Guys? Did we mention how much we missed you? Oh, I missed you guys, too. Bill Karens and the entire uh, NBC News Climate Unit does such an amazing job during Ian. Well, as Uh, they said, you set up. We have great producers just the yeah. whole system. Well, we're happy you're back. Well, it's you. Al's house, and we're yeah, happy to have you back home. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Cool. Coming up, speaking of our house, mm-hmm. our uh, dear friend Katie Couric uh, is right here where she belongs in Studio 1A. <laughs> New couch. <laughs> New couch. Katie, just Love you. it. Love yeah. what you've done to the place. <laughs> Katie just revealed she had a breast cancer diagnosis, and she is on a mission, man. Yeah, we are going to talk to her about how she's feeling. The positive impact her story is all ready having on other women. We'll talk about that and more. But first, this is today on NBC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed back now seven thirty. it's a monday morning uh it's the third day of october 2022 happy you're waking up with us Happy for everybody who showed up, bundled up. we got some New Orleans folks in the house, as usual. Uh, it's good to see everybody. It is getting to be bundle-up yeah. season. Yes, it is. A little bit. Let's get your headline, 7.30 Monday morning. In Northern California, there is growing anxiety this morning over a possible serial killer on the loose. Stockton police say five men were shot and killed between July and late September. 
and those crimes are believed to be connected. Officials say this newly released image pulled from video surveillance could be a person of interest in the case. Rewards totaling $85,000 are being offered for information leading to an arrest. Sheen Littlefeather, uh, the activist who made history in 1973 by declining Marlon Brando's Oscar on his behalf, died yesterday. Uh, Littlefeather told the audience Brando would not accept his Best Actor award for The Godfather due to the treatment of Native Americans in the film industry. Her speech was met with both boos and applause. This past June, the Academy apologized to her for her treatment at the Oscars that night. So she and Little Feather was 75 years old. Meantime, we are marking the start of Breast Cancer Awareness Month with a story that hits close to home. Yeah, our friend Katie Couric is with us. She has long been a cancer advocate using her platform platform, including her time here at Today, to inform and educate the public. Well, now she's gone from cancer advocate to cancer survivor. Last week, in a personal essay on the Katie Couric Media website, she wrote, June 21st was the first day of summer, my eighth wedding anniversary, and the day I found out I had breast cancer. Like more than a third of women, Katie was not up to date on her annual screening, writing, Had the pandemic given me a skewed sense of time? Had it messed with my memory? Six months overdue, Katie went in for a mammogram and a breast ultrasound. Noting something suspicious in her left breast, her doctor did a biopsy, and it was cancer. After having a lumpectomy and 15 days of radiation, Katie is sharing her story to educate others and once again save lives. In 2000, two years after her husband, Jay Monahan died of colon cancer, Katie aired her own colonoscopy right here on Today. As a result, there was a 20% increase in screenings, what the University of Michigan dubbed the Couric Effect. Katie, that smile right here, please. Now, she's on a mission again. And she's right here with mm-hmm. us. Hi, Katie. Okay. So Hi. Look you. at us all in pink. We, we are. are. Yeah. We got the memo. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I, the first question has to be how you're mm-hmm. feeling. How are you doing? I'm feeling great. Um, I'm just getting over a cold. That's why mm-hmm. I wouldn't give you all a hug this morning <laughs> to protect you. But I'm feeling just fine. You know, I finished radiation last week. They said it made you tired. I was actually not too tired from it. I had a lumpectomy in July. And my next stop, I go on something called aromatase inhibitors, which suppress estrogen because I have a uh, an, a hormone receptor positive, HER2 new negative mm-hmm. tumor that they removed when I had my lumpectomy. But I just feel super lucky that it was diagnosed when it was, that I went even though I was late, that I went when I did. Can you take us back? Because I think, I mean, you are a cancer advocate, obviously, but it's a whole different ball game when you go in. You think you you missed your mammogram by six months, which is probably like most people at home right now. Yeah. So you went in for, for your checkup. Tell us about that moment. Well, I went in with my, with my phone camera, and yeah. I was going to share it with my followers and people who read my newsletter and go to the website to say, don't forget, yeah. I forgot, yeah. I don't want you all to. So when my radi- breast radiologist, Susan Drossman, said, can you turn off your phone? Mm. I was like, uh-oh, Scaring. what does that mean? And she said, I think there's something we really need to biopsy, and I want to do it today. Mm. So I thought, oh, my God, you must be kidding me. And then when she, I found out the next day she called me, I was, I was pretty stunned. And I think those words, it's cancerous or you have mm-hmm. cancer, do stop you in your tracks. But... She told me it was treatable. We needed to have a plan. Mm -hmm. So I went from feeling shocked to not that shocked, given 
my family's history and the, you know, and to relieved because my exposure to cancer with Jay and Emily and my mother-in-law, Carol Monahan, mm-hmm. you know, they were all advanced and the prognosis was really tough. So I felt so grateful, honestly. And that's why I am so thrilled to be able to talk to you all about the importance of screening. And I know, Hoda, you know about that because Hoda and I had, you know, you have or had the same kind of tumor I had when you were in your well, 40s. When you talk about early detection, it was so funny because when I when I was diagnosed here, I remember I sat with Corvo, David Corvo, and I told him what had happened. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, I know a lot of friends who have breast cancer and they all have one thing in common. And I said, what's that? He said, they're still here. And that was about just like for you and for me too. Once you get the early detection, some of it, then it just becomes now it's medical. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And there have been so many strides made. Yeah. Um, but, but likes, I mean, as you said, a third of all women, I didn't even know that number didn't get screened during mm-hmm. COVID. And a lot of screening places shut down. I think our the cadence of our lives changed. And I think we just got off track. And that happened to me as well. Before mm-hmm. we get into some of the particulars, because I know you are mm-hmm. a woman on a mission and you have mm-hmm. a really important message. I just, I immediately thought of Carrie and Ellie, mm-hmm. your daughters. They're in their 20s now. Yeah, I Ellie's think. 31, if okay. you can believe oh, it. Oh, my well, gosh. But they have, you know, they experience so much loss yeah. at a young age. They, um, yes. You know, their father, their mm-hmm. grandmother, their aunt. And I'm sure it was that was a hard call to make, even knowing that you, you know, had a really good mm-hmm. prognosis. Yeah, it, well, I was nervous about it. I waited a few days so I could process process it and really understand what we were dealing with. And I FaceTime each of them. Mm -hmm. And Ellie's in LA and Carrie never calls me back. So I basically (laughs) had to FaceTime both of them. She's here in New York. Uh And and I told them, but I was very reassuring, Mm -hmm. but I saw on their faces, you know, it's just hard to deliver that news no matter how you do it. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, I assured them that I was going to be fine and Carrie came with me when I got my lumpectomy. When I was being wheeled into the operating room, she was singing the arms of an angel. Aww. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, she's so funny. <laughs> but anyway, but they've been incredibly supportive. And, and, of course, I was worried about that. But, again, just so grateful that they caught it early enough so it could be treated. And, by the way, yeah. you know, even when it's a later stage than mine, I'm stage 1A, there are so many treatments available and a lot of women are living with breast cancer, but we need to do better. We need to come up with better treatments and we need to get more women screened. I was surprised y'all, only 70% of women actually get breast cancer screening. And that number went down to 65% during the pandemic, but I think it's probably went even lower. Here's Here's a weird thing that we just saw on the American Cancer Society website. It says, and I think we have a graphic, women 55 and over should switch to mammograms every two years. They're kind of giving you that window. You don't need to go each year. You can go every two. Yeah, I mean, I think that the recommendations have been all over the map. I I mean, I'm not a doctor and I'm trying not to play one on TV, (laughs) but... But, you know, I think people should go every year. You should talk to your doctor. I think women have to advocate for their own health. And that's why I'm so... um, you know, so excited to be able to talk about dense breasts mm-hmm. in particular. I wanted to ask you about yeah. that because you were someone that you learned you have dense breasts. First of all, what does that mean? Yeah. I thought I knew. I just asked you. You're like, no, that's not it. Yeah. And what does that mean in terms of mm-hmm. the kind of screening you need? Well, this is my main message. So thank you for asking that. 
It's 45 to 50 percent of women in this country have what are considered dense breasts. This is not something you can tell by feeling mm-hmm. your breasts. If your breasts are lumpy, it doesn't necessarily mean you have dense breasts. It's mm-hmm. indicated on a mammogram. Mm-hmm. So you have to ask your radiologist or your radiologist ideally should be telling you you have dense mm-hmm. breasts. And then you often need secondary screening. So my radiologist compared it to trying to find snowballs in a field of snow. I got a 3D mammogram, which is definitely superior to standard mammograms. And my my breast radiologist, Susan Drossman, said it was made it much easier for her to see it. But it was key to get a breast ultrasound to confirm that I had a tumor that needed to be biopsied. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women don't know this. 38 states require doctors to say, hey, Hoda, you have dense breasts, but your mammogram is fine. So what are you supposed to do with that information? You don't necessarily know you need additional screening. And by the way, insurance doesn't necessarily pay for that additional ultrasound So two issues, yeah. First, with the notification, Savannah. So the FDA said the language needs to change All states Mm -hmm. need to require notification with much more specificity about what you're supposed to do with that information. Mm -hmm. And then you're right. Only 14 states in the district require insurance to pay some or all of breast ultrasound screening for women with dense breasts. And often the the reimbursement is very Mm -hmm. small. So I've been working with Congressman Rosa DeLauro of Connecticut, and she's introducing legislation this month that would require insurance companies to cover no no uh you know cost on the patient mm. breast ultrasounds for women who have dense breasts because it's criminal all these breast cancer diagnoses mm-hmm. would happen much earlier mm-hmm. if in fact women with dense mm-hmm. breasts had breast ultrasounds wow you're already so you've already spoken to the congresswoman that's already on the move. Yeah, this does not surprise you us know in the least. Guys, she's yeah. on a mission, so yeah. just go but, ahead and do what she but, asked. But I just really want women <laughs> yeah, to get screened. Yeah. Don't yes. put it off. Yes. And I've yes. heard from so many who said your story made me make my appointment. Yes. Yep. But also, if you have dense breasts, find out what more you need to do. do. You, will your kids do any genetic testing? Do you want yes. them to? Yes. Well, Ellie already has. Oh. Mm-hmm. And what's also, I'm so glad you asked okay. me this too, because I've been, re- you know, learning yeah. and reporting on this myself. So basically, you know, used to look for the BRCA gene, yeah. BRCA1 yeah. or BRCA2, which you could increase your risk of breast cancer up to 80%, but the panel has increased to almost 30, or I think more than 30 gene mutations wow. that give you a slightly higher risk, sometimes as high as 40% higher for breast cancer. Genetic testing has gone into the mainstream. Uh-huh. Insurance companies cover it. And it really is a great tool to help you understand what you need to do yeah. vis-a-vis screening mm-hmm. and how often you need to do it. And you should be having a conversation with your healthcare provider about breast cancer mm-hmm. as early as 25, just to start mm-hmm. the conversation. And black women have a 40% higher mortality Mm -hmm. rate. So if you're black or you have Ashkenazi Mm -hmm. Jew heritage, you should start discussing it at age 30 because it might change your screening protocol. Okay. Wow. You had such an impact earlier yeah. in your career yeah. after Jay's passing, mm-hmm. and I believe you'll have that mm-hmm. impact. Well, again. I we hope have so. our homework mm-hmm. cut out for us. Did. I did make my appointment. Mm-hmm. Good. After hearing yeah. about Good. You last week. Good. I'm so, so yeah. glad. Yeah. I'm well, so glad because I really, I just want to mm-hmm. share what I've learned mm-hmm. with other women and hopefully keep them healthy and happy. Well, we love you, Katie. We're well, happy thank you. I feel like you. I, I, you I feel like my little textbook is going in here. But I, I really studied this, and yeah. and uh, I have yeah. the the facts to back it up. Cool. But thank you for having me. Thank honestly. you, Katie.
We're we adore delighted you. to have you and looking so good uh-huh. and feeling well. Thank you. Important. I'm getting there. Still a little sniffly. But I'm <laughs> we oh. might hug you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Craig, over to you. Uh, thank you, Katie. Thank you. Thank you. Still ahead here on a Monday morning. Some more news you can use with Halloween on the way and record spending expected. We've got some advice for saving money without skipping on your family celebrations. But first, these messages. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe Right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. And welcome back. Time now for another check of the mm-hmm. forecast. How are we looking, Mr. Rick? Well, all in all, we've got a fairly quiet day. Again, remnants of Ian off the northeast coast, the Delmarva Peninsula. So we're watching some heavy rain there. Sunny and mild from the Gulf Coast all the way up into the Great Lakes. We do see some showers and more monsoonal moisture coming into the southwest. So we're going to be watching that sunshine up and down the west coast. And that is your latest weather. All right, Mr. Roker, thank you, thank you. Coming up on a Monday, could solar panels, solar panels, could that be the best answer to high electricity bills, especially with the cold of winter on its way? Well, Vicki Wynn will be here to walk us through the process of having them installed, how soon you could expect to save, too. But first, these messages. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.